You're listening to the New Life Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're a family of believers in Anderson, Missouri, that want to experience God in a real way, both inside and outside the walls of a building. For more Sunday messages, upcoming events, or to get in touch, visit new-life-church.net. When you are charged to give a sermon and, and need to bring the word, you, you're wanting it to be compelling and interesting. And, and then when there's a meal afterward, you know everybody's hearts and minds and stomachs are already there thinking about the delicious food. So you have to come up with a really compelling topic. And God's grace, our topic today is very compelling and very thought-provoking and will keep us all interested. Um, it's on sex. <laughs> so uh, that's where our passage in... First Thessalonians is out of, but parents, at the same time, I wanted to give you a heads up if your kids stay in service with you. Uh, I have my younger kids in here with me as well. So this is going to be PG for the most part, but parents, I just want to give you a heads up in case you want to do this. I pray and hope that there will be interesting conversations in the car on the way home. And kids, ask your parents... If you have further questions, okay, it's their job. It's their job, not mine, to tell you about this in depth. We're not going in depth today. I'm just teaching what the scripture says. Uh, Mom and dad, it's your job. I'm just telling you straight up. It's your job to disciple and train your kids up in this way, to be intentional with them in this. If you're not telling them, somebody else is. And you sure don't want somebody else to tell them if it's not you. Because more than likely, it's not going to be God's view or the biblical view in it, okay? And we all have stories in our past. Up to this point, if you're over the age of puberty, don't we? None of us are perfect in this arena by any way, shape, form, or fashion. But God's grace is good. He can redeem and heal and he forgives. So... All that to say, let's, let's jump in. So the first three chapters, and I'm staying down here again today. Can anybody not see me? Is this okay? I move around a little bit, so you'll see, you'll see me at points. Uh, first three chapters of this letter, 1 Thessalonians, that Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica have been a great encouragement to them, a great encouragement to us. It's almost like a long introduction of him expressing encouragement, praising them for the gospel ringing forth from their lives, how he's prayed for them, how he's desired to see them, how he hoped and prayed that because he couldn't be there as long as he might want to be, that that their faith would stay strong. And he sent Timothy, and Timothy comes back and reports back to him. And in fact, their faith is doing well, and they are doing strong. and, And he's praising them, encouraging them, and thanking God and giving God the glory for this in this place. And here in chapter 4, he turns a corner in the letter. You see, he turns a corner in a way that he gives specific ways in which we live out our lives in obedience to God, what it would look like. So if we are living our lives out in an obedient, God-pleasing, which he covered in earlier chapters and earlier verses, if we are living out our lives in that way, Paul's going to run through the next closing chapters of this letter to them specific ways that that's going to look like so the evidence if you will the fruit of that if you will and it's 
Again, not about the things that we need to do to earn our salvation. We can't. Okay? God paid for it. God provided the payment required on the cross for our salvation. And it's not about us trying harder and trying to live out these next two chapters in our lives and just saying, okay, well, I just got to do this and not do this or whatever. We're forgetting about the first three chapters if we go about life that way. We have to remember that it's about his work, his transforming grace in our lives. It's about us pursuing him, allowing the gospel to transform our hearts, transform our lives so that the evidence, our words, our choices, our actions, our calendars, our bank accounts, etc. reflects that transforming power of the gospel in our hearts and in our lives. And that's what the coming chapters, the coming verses are. Well, this morning, he starts on the big one. All right? The first eight verses of chapter 4 is where he's going to start. Would you mind to stand with me? We'll read this together. The first eight verses, if you're unable to stand, I get that. That's okay. But if you are able to, let's stand and read this together. And I'm reading, again, just so you know, I'm reading out of the Christian Standard Bible. Additionally then, brothers and sisters, we ask and encourage you in the Lord Jesus that as you have received instruction from us how you should live and please God as you are doing, do this even more. For you know what commands we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is God's will, your sanctification, that you keep away from sexual immorality that each of you knows how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not with lustful passions like the Gentiles who don't know God. This means one must not transgress against and take advantage of a brother or sister in this manner, because the Lord is an avenger of all these offenses, as we also previously told and warned you. For God has not called us to impurity, but to live in holiness. Consequently, anyone who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who gives you his Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. And so this morning, in addition to being thankful for Tony, for each one of you, for this church body, being thankful for what each and every one of you who shared, shared, what those of you who didn't share, but you might be thankful for in your heart, being thankful for those things. I am thankful for God's gift of sex for a husband and a wife. You're like, well, wow, okay. <laughs> Never thought of it that way. Interestingly enough, many of us don't. Many of us don't. You see, in verse 3, God's will, our sanctification specifically with sexual immorality, staying away from it. See, why is this God's will? Well, it glorifies God, obviously. We know that if you've been in church for a while. It's about us glorifying God. That's the purpose of our lives. It's for our best. On top of that, see, he created us. He knows what's best for us. He knows the end result. He has eternity in mind, not 
the next five minutes, not the moment in time that we're consumed with a thought or a passion. He has eternity in mind. John Piper says it this way, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. Meaning it's in him that we find our satisfaction, not in pursuit of things of the flesh. Sanctification is for every part of our life. It is the ongoing process of God transforming us, changing us from the moment of our salvation, that's justification, when he chooses us, our eyes are opened, our hearts are opened, we see him, we, for, we see ourselves for who we really are, broken, sinful. We see him for who he really is, perfect, gracious, loving, merciful. We choose him because of his payment for our sin, God's wrath on the cross. That's our salvation. That's our justification. And from then on, as we are here on earth, this is our sanctification time. Okay, just explaining these terms really quick. That's our sanctification as we walk through life. Our trials, our tribulations, as we choose to serve him, as we choose to reject him when we sin, as we are going through life, as, as things happen to us that we don't have control over, things we do to ourselves. That's the sanctification part, and that's what Paul is talking about right here. When it comes to sexual immorality, there are a few things that can blindside us or control us or cause us to stumble like this. There are a few things that can affect us in this way. I think that believers today are doing a poor job of teaching about it in our homes, in our churches, having open and honest discussions about this. It's, it's kind of that... Let's not talk about it. It's a little bit taboo. But here's the thing. The world is screaming this at us every day. It is screaming this at us every day. You can't turn on the radio. You can't turn on the TV. You can't pull up anything on your phone or on your computer. You can't even go to a checkout stand or drive down the road with half the billboards around without something screaming at you or even your kids about the world's view of this and how we should be treating this. And see here at New Life, we're not going to be silent about it. We're going to teach what God says about it. Hey, the elders and I, we want to do our very best to not be inappropriate in this, but to be intentional and proactive in this. If you're a parent and you don't even know where to start, but you feel like, yeah, Matt, I agree with what you said. It is my job. I know I should. And you need some help, tell us. Tell Tony, tell myself, tell Gary. Let us know how we can help you in that. Okay? You don't have to go at this alone. All right? Or anything else, not just in this matter. You see, for the Thessalonians, sexual immorality was rampant in their day and time. It was a recreational activity. Uh, if you wanted it, you could have it. Anywhere, anytime, anyplace. It was like eating, drinking, going to work, going to school, going outside to play, going and hunting, cooking, whatever. Whatever. 
It was just part of life. It was everywhere, and everybody did it. Sound kind of familiar? Yeah, not too different than us today, huh? We have access to it everywhere. Everywhere. Before we proceed, let's, let's look at this. Let's contrast sexual immorality with sexual purity. Okay? Let's look at the differences here. Sexual immorality, the word in the Greek here is porneia. You can guess what word we get from that today, pornography. That is anything outside of sexual purity. Well, obviously, Matt. Well, let me explain a little bit more so. With our eyes, it's what we choose to look at. That is not sexually pure. Through movies, through our TV, through other screens, on our phones, books, magazines. Anything that is not sexually pure that we might choose to look at with our eyes. And I'm going to give you a... You may say, hey Matt, you're crazy conservative in this. Below the shoulders, if it's not your spouse, it's off limits. I'm just going to call it out. Below the shoulders, if it's not your spouse, it should be off limits. Train your eyes to stay above the shoulders. Okay? Guys, there's nothing below my wife's shoulders that I want you to look at on my wife. Period. We'll have words if I catch you. I imagine she would want to have words with you, ladies, if you're going below my shoulders. There's no reason for us to go below the shoulders with our eyes. There is nothing I can think of. Scripturally, common sense tells me that we should go there. In our mind, what we choose to think on, what we find ourselves thinking about, mulling over, Past images where we failed, fantasies, stories, fill in the blank. Scripture tells us to take every thought captive. That's not a sit back and just let whatever happens happen in our minds. That's a very proactive thing to do, to take it captive. Captive with scripture. Captive. Give it back to God. God, I don't want to go down this path in my mind, but my mind is wandering. Lord, I'm prone to wander. I'm prone to stray. As we sing sometimes. And with our body, actions that we might choose to take with others or ourselves. And let me be crystal clear. Sexual purity, what it is, is God's wedding gift. For a man and a woman who are married to each other. That's what sexual purity is. And it is lived out in the context of a marriage between, don't miss what I'm saying, a man and a woman who are married to each other, serving each other in this. Serving each other in this. You say, well, where are you getting that from, Matt? I look at the definition of love in 1 Corinthians that we just talked about last week. 
And it's about serving other people. It's about loving others. It's putting their needs above ourselves. And that's where I go with this. Guys, this shouldn't be a taboo subject for us. It is God's idea. He created it. It is his gift to us. This might blow your minds. I'm going to warn you. It is a foreshadowing of the intimacy that we will experience with him someday. It is a foreshadowing of the intimacy that we will experience with him someday. Not in a weird sexual way. Okay? We're talking about things in our future. The intimacy and the fellowship with God. We're trying to understand it with our finite brains and our finite context of life on this earth. And we're not going to be able to fully understand this until someday. But I do know that this is the closest thing that God's given us that we can experience with another human being. With your spouse, in your marriage, if you are truly serving them, this is the closest, most intimate thing that you can experience. In life on earth. So we have the context of what is God's idea, God's gift in sexual purity, and how Satan has taken something that's so close and so dear to God's heart that he gave to only be experienced for a man and a woman, a husband and a wife, and hijacked it and corrupted it and stolen from it. And how easily we can be led astray. And how easily we can give in to temptations to corrupt this. Well, back to the text. Let's see what Paul gives us as some action points on on how to deal with sexual immorality. Verse 3, he says, keep away. Keep away. He doesn't say dabble in it. He doesn't say, hey, yeah, see how far you can go before you fall and then pull back a notch. He says, straight up, keep away. You know, in some stories and movies, when something bad is about to happen, you you see that dark alley and the, and the music changes and you hear the creepy sound and you want to yell at the people on the screen and say, hey, moron, don't go down there, right? Paul's basically saying that to us. <laughs> hey, morons, don't go down the alley that's dark and creepy and ominous of sexual immorality because you're going to get hurt, you're going to fail, or you're going to get dead, or all the three. Don't go down the alley of sexual immorality. Keep away. Stay away. Flee from it. Paul says in 1 Corinthians six eighteen, flee sexual immorality. You say, walk away? No. The word flee is like run at a full-on sprint. Get out of there. Run from it. You walk up to the checkout line and you see it, pick a different one. If you've got to wait 10 minutes, so what? So what? 
When you're driving on the highway and there's that billboard there every time, you know it's coming. Choose somewhere else to look. Your favorite morning radio show hosts are always crass and joking and degrading God's gift for a husband and a wife by their jokes and their comments. Turn it off. Most TV shows and movies give us previews. Most of those previews are pretty obvious about what we might see in them. Don't watch them. You say, well, Matt, we just skipped that part. Do you? What are we... What are we doing? What are we telling our kids? Romans 13, 14 tells us this, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and don't make plans to gratify the desires of the flesh. Instead, we should make plans to fight against the desires of the flesh. Some practical things that I would like to share with you that we try to do in our home. We're not perfect. We're still figuring this out as we, as we go. But we got a house full of boys, guys. And they're certainly targets. Girls are no longer getting an exempt pass in this. Some say that one in six girls are actively and regularly looking at porn nowadays. One in six. But for males 18 to 24, it's one in three. Proactively teaching our kids about them. From the time they first notice their plumbing is different. We start talking to them about it. God gave you that for a reason. And as you get older, we'll tell you more about this. But for right now, God gave you this. Respect it. It's for nobody else. And as they get older, you increase the conversations more regularly. My wife has gone through a book with each one of our kids and has them read it. She's read it to them when they were younger and as they've been able to read, she has them each read it. It's called God's Design for Sex. I highly recommend that to your parents if you want to know where to start. It gives you kind of a how to talk to your kids for dummies about sex kind of thing. <laughs> and it just lays it out. There's parts that you read with them and there's parts that they read and they come back to you and you talk about it together. My wife and I have full disclosure with each other. There is nothing off limits about who I ever see, talk to, text with, email, where I'm going, and vice versa. She has full access to every one of my devices, my phone, my laptop. She has the passwords. She can get on them anytime she wants. And I have the same with hers. We have access and control over all of our boys' devices. In fact, the internet is locked down for them, period. If their device 
has access to the internet. We have a tight rein on what can be seen, what can be viewed, and even a timeline that it shuts off. You can't take any chances in this for something that God says that we should run from and flee from. And we walk around it like, well, everybody else is and it's no big deal. Really? We can't do that, guys. In fact, if our kids need to be on the computer and on the internet, they've got to be at our dining room table in front of everybody. Even when I study, prepping for sermons, whatever. Can you imagine Googling this? <laughs> I'm getting information and statistics and stuff for a sermon like this. What's going to pop up on my screen? I will choose to do this at home with my family around. I will choose to study here when other people are around, or I'll choose to do it in a public place. Rarely, if ever, I help try to not ever get on the internet if I'm by myself anywhere. As I know how easily I can fall in this. And I sure as heck don't want to be passive in it, in my own heart, in my own life, and blow my marriage, cause a failure that affects my kids or this congregation. If you're single, you're like, man, well, I'm single. How do I, how do, I do this? Well, there's Wi-Fi almost everywhere, isn't there? I mean, McDonald's has Wi-Fi. Dollar Sweet Tea and Wi-Fi. Well, how strong a stand are you going to take on this? Is this something that you want to be pure in? Is this something that you're truly going to follow God's command in and flee from or run from? Moving on to verse 4, Paul says, Control your body. Keep away from it and then control your body. Anything that controls us is an idol. We talked about idolatry earlier in First Thessalonians as well. Anything that controls us is an idol. Anything that we reject God to get or do, rejecting God is the same as sinning, right? Anything that we reject God or sin if we don't get, We should control our bodies. 2 Timothy 4.5, again, Paul. But as for you, exercising self exercise self-control in everything. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. You see, if we are a Christian, if we are a believer, we are saved by grace. And that grace cost the Son of God his blood. As we talked about last night, forgiveness cost God's son for him to forgive us of our sins, of our sexual immorality. And if we are believers in him, we are evangelists, as Paul is telling Timothy here, and we need to fulfill our ministry. 
So let us do that. Let us fulfill our ministry and not our flesh. The third thing that Paul says is we should not steal from others in this in verse 6. Maybe you've never thought of it this way. Exodus 20, 15, one of the Ten Commandments. I think number eight on the list, do not steal. 1 Corinthians 6, 18, again, it's even stealing from yourself. It's the only sin that Scripture references as saying, not only are you committing it against somebody else, you're committing it against yourself. You're stealing from the intimacy that you can have in your relationship with God. You're stealing from your spouse if you're married. If your mind is wandering, your heart is wandering, or your actions are wandering from anything other than them in this area. If you're single, you're stealing from your future spouse or the person you're with, their future spouse. Thieves. On a side note, single women, whatever your age, if any man tells you he loves you, and because he does, he needs you or wants you to get in bed with him, he's a liar and a thief. And you should run from him. He's a coward, and he is causing you to stumble in this arena stealing from your, wanting to steal from you, steal from God, your relationship with God, and your intimacy with him. Run from that thief. Run from that liar. He doesn't love you. He has no clue what that means. Single men, Any woman trying to seduce you in this way, she's a thief and a liar as well. Don't go near her. And don't tell me, guys, that you didn't know. <laughs> don't play that on me. I'm a guy. You knew there was something in your heart. There was a warning light going off. Something that you ignored. Read Proverbs 7. Guys, God will tell you exactly what will happen to you should you give in to that. Verse 6, God warns us about sinning in this area. He says that God is the avenger. Forget the Marvel Avengers. God is the avenger in this. We reject him when we sin. We see that in verse 8. God avenges the sin that we have committed. God avenges the sin that others have commi committed against him in this area or committed against you. 
And I know that in this room, there are those of you who this has been stolen from you without your say or your choice. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that for you. It is evil, it is heinous, and it is wrong. And we will do everything we can should you decide to tell us to walk beside you and support you in this, however we can as a body and as a church. It was not God's plan. It was this works of Satan, the enemy, hijacking God's gift. Colossians 3.6 tells us that God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And guys, I'll say it again. Any of us in this room, the age of puberty or older, we have failed in this. Not one of us has been perfect in this area. There's not one of us that can say we have been perfectly flawless in the area of sexual purity in our lives. We have looked twice, more than twice. We have lusted. We have committed the acts. We are all in the same boat together in this. Okay? But as we sang about a little bit ago, of God's amazing grace. We can praise him. That he's just. That he will punish the sin that needs punished. And we can praise him for his mercy. That he has paid the price for our sin on the cross. And there is forgiveness. And there is redemption. There is nothing that is wasted even our sin, when we are morons and walk down the dark, creepy alley of sexual immorality, God can still use that and redeem that. Oh, what mercy he has. He offers it freely for all of us in every area of our life. there's nothing that we can do to pay for that. There's nothing that he requires from us and that outside of repenting of that sin to him, confessing to him, believing in him as our Lord and Savior, knowing that he paid that price for us. And it's done. And as my wife and I counsel in premarital counseling and We've done it several times now that no matter what the past is, he can redeem and make pure and clean again. Hebrews 9.14 tells us this, How much more will the blood of Christ, 
who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse our consciences from dead works so that we can serve the living God. Cleansed our consciences. Cleansed our consciences. Verse 7, Paul reminds us that we are called to holiness. We are called to holiness, sexual purity. Have you ever thought about that? Husbands, wives, serving your spouse in this way, loving them is holiness? Blow your mind. Husbands, grab me after. I've got some more tips in this area. It's not appropriate in front of everybody. But I'd be happy to share one-on-one other ways that you can practice holiness in this area, glorifying God in this area with your spouse. Wives, I'm not the person for you to come to in this. Uh, my wife is really good at it, but I don't want to volunteer without asking. But if she's unavailable, I can think of a couple of other ladies in this congregation that can help you out with that. We are called to holiness, and Paul tells us that we should keep away from it. We should control our bodies, and we should not steal from other people in this, or ourselves. The war we must wage against sexual immorality is not going to be won by us trying harder. You will fail. But it can be run, won and will be won by us resting and trusting more fully in God. A daily surrendering to God, a seeking out our satisfaction in Him and Him alone. I love the songs that we sang this morning. They're laying me down. It's a surrendering to Him. <clears throat> I'd like to give you a couple of practical ways that we can do this on a daily basis as we close. The first one I'd like to offer you is through God's promises. <clears throat> and as Scotty Smith, you guys have, I'm going to read a prayer out of here in a minute. Um, uh, he's a pastor and I love this book on everyday prayers. But uh, as he says, let those promises claim you. Let God's promises claim you. And here it is again, prayer and meditation in the word. Matt, you sound like a broken record because it's true. <laughs> prayer and meditation in his word. And there's four verses there I want to give you. I want you to write these down and I would encourage you to memorize these. These are God's promises. Memorize them. Saturate yourself in them. Let them claim you. Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart. They will see God. Not the impure in heart, the pure in heart. Isaiah 41, 10, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be afraid for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will hold you in my righteous right hand. Philippians 4, 19, Many of you probably know this one, and my God will supply all your needs 
according to his riches, not our wants, his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Philippians 3.8 More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of him I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung. Anybody know what dung is? Okay, don't need to cover that. Those things are dung so that I may gain Christ. Through God's promises. If you're not spending time in the word, if you're not praying, if you're not memorizing, you're not going to have armor. You're not going to have strength when the temptations come. And we're just like the morons on the movies and stories that walk down the dark alleys. It's coming. (laughs) It's coming. The second thing I would offer is by pursuing our pleasure in God. Instead of a few seconds, a couple minutes of pleasure in this area. Pleasure for eternity or a couple of minutes in a broken, sinful, craving body. Psalm 1611 tells us this about God's pleasure. He reveals the path of life to us. It's in his presence is abundance joy. At his right hand are eternal pleasures. Not passing, fleeting, momentary. Eternal pleasures. The third thing I would offer is this, by killing our old nature. This is not a passive task. This is a running from as hard as you can. This is a fleeing from. And we got to kill it. We got to kill it. You know, guys, we spend way more time thinking about how we're going to get that deer or turkey or protect our home if somebody breaks in. What are we doing to guard our hearts in this? Do we put the same effort into matters of eternity as we do in things of life? Things that are going to pass away? Colossians 3, 5, Therefore put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Sexual purity is God's gift for a husband and for a wife. And anything different is sexual immorality. What is broken and lost, God can redeem and make pure yet once again. This morning we've got a song that the guys are going to play by way of video. The words are on it. And during this song, do what God would have you do. Is it stand and sing along? Is it repent and come clean on some stuff? Is it setting up a plan 
of how you're going to flee and run and guard against this? Is it, I need some help so I can talk to my kids about this? Do some business with God. The front's open. You're welcome to use it if that helps you. You're welcome to stay where you're at in this, okay? But let's just reflect for a moment there in the song. Just have some time to respond. And after a little bit, I'll, uh, I'll pray and we'll get to enjoy some Thanksgiving and food and fellowship together afterwards.